Today's episode is brought to you by Fretboard Biology, the comprehensive online guitar course put together by Joe Elliott. Now, Joe is not only a fantastic guitar player, he draws on his years of experience as the ex-head of guitar at the Guitar Institute of Technology and also at the McNally Smith Music College. Here's a few words from Joe about the course. If you're tired of wading through hundreds of random guitar videos and just want to become a better player, Fretboard Biology is your answer. Fretboard Biology is a self-paced, college-level program that will give you the right instruction, in the right amounts, and in the right order. You'll learn the same information I taught to thousands of other guitar players over 30 years of teaching in top music colleges. If you want to make real progress with your guitar playing, then sign up for a free 7-day trial at fretboardbiology.com. Hey everyone, Matt here. Before we start the episode, just want to acknowledge that today's episode was recorded in 2022 before we got the sad news that Jeff Beck had passed away on the 10th of January 2023 at the age of 78. There have been so many tributes expressed over the last week also acknowledging Beck's enormous contribution to guitar playing and rock music in general. And whilst today's episode was not produced under the context of Jeff Beck's passing. I'm glad we get to talk about his brilliance as a musician. All right, here's the show. Hi there, you are listening to the Guitar Speak podcast. My name's Matt Wakeling and this is the show I produce in Sydney, Australia. Uh, The show started in 2016 as an interview show. I'm still interviewing amazing guitar players from all around the world. And for the last 12 months or so, I've been joined by my friends Rob and Gabor as we talk about iconic guitar stuff. We started out with the iconic albums series and we've kind of expanded that into a bunch of themed episodes. So big welcome to Rob Rhodes. Hey gents, good to be back. And Gabor Jessica. Hello, how are you guys doing? <laughs> good, good to see you guys. <laughs> Thanks. Good to see you guys too. <laughs> Thanks for jumping in for another episode. Uh, tonight's theme is Desert Island Guitarists. I mean, I say tonight, we're recording at night. You can be listening to this anytime you like. That's no, the no, no. the podcast. Night, nights only. Right? <laughs> <laughs> that is very rock and roll. <clears throat> Rob, this was, uh, this was your idea. Do you want to talk us through the uh, parameters and we'll jump into it? It was. It's one of those kind of discussions I think we've all had. There's Desert Island Discs and, um, you know, if you had to choose one album. And I thought, being a podcast about guitars and guitarists and all things related. How about we do a desert Island guitarist? And there really wasn't any parameters for it. There was only sort of, it was the only guitarist you could listen to for the rest of time. If you were stranded (laughs) on a desert Island, Uh, but you weren't limited by just, you know, whatever band they were in. If they'd gone off and done some other stuff, you could, you know, they have a session guitarist or whatever, you know, you could go and listen to them do that. Um, or if they were featured on a certain artist song, you could listen to that. Um, and then you had to choose three songs that could possibly be used to convert someone else to choose that guitarist as well. So, um, yeah, well, let's kick off with more. Well, let's kick off with the boss's choices. Matt, who did you the choose? Choices. Okay. Your boss. boss, start us off, boss. Come on, boss. 
All right, all right. He signs hey, the um, checks, folks, so um, he can go first. It's, it's true. It's true. You can check. Um, you don't? Yeah. They're, oh, shit. They're back. No, I, they're I back dated. They're forward dated. Who wants a checkbook anymore? I like this idea. I love this idea from Rob. Um, I chose Jeff Beck. I want to give Jeff Beck some love because he's such a, a unique voice in in guitar and he's got this amazing career and catalog. So just a real, I guess, quick backstory on uh, Jeff Beck. He probably first rose to prominence as a member of the Yardbirds in the UK in the 1960s. So he was right on the front of that uh, English blues rock explosion. Um, he replaced Eric Clapton in that band. Jimmy Page joined the band. There were two guitarists. He played with Page for a short while, then he left, started his solo career, started the Jeff Beck Band with a young Rod Stewart as his vocalist, amongst some others. Um, by the mid-70s, he'd gone all instrumental, was experimenting with fusion, playing with players like um, Jan Hammer from Miami Vice uh, soundtrack, Fame, um, Simon Phillips, Terry Bozio, those guys. By the oh, yeah. 80s, uh, again, a, a real voice in rock, instrumental guitar, and he's just continued on. So I've chosen uh, a, few, a few sort of key tracks, I guess, along the way. I mean, he's just turned 78 last month, and this year he's released new music with Ozzy Osbourne. He's guested on an Ozzy Osbourne track. Unbelievable. And uh, Johnny Depp. He's released a bunch of music with Johnny Depp. And he's also, um, there's a video of him just shredding on the Immigrant Song with his old bandmate, Jimmy Page. So he is just constantly reinventing himself and and his voice as a guitar player and i guess where page and clapton went off to have much more i guess commercially successful careers jeff beck has always just run on his own off off on his own dice i guess he's just uh, done his own thing uh, all the way along not that those guys haven't but he's he's just he's just run on a very separate field to pretty much any other guitar player so and he's been so influential in terms of his tone, technique, and approach that that other guitarists. I don't think anyone has ever emulated it, but there's there's certainly a lot of inspiration. And uh... yeah, Luke is a big student of his. You know, yeah, Luke totally. He's really um, embraced a lot of those techniques. Um, yeah, hundred percent. That, that Jeff Beck bought, and were very, you know individual to him scott, scott oh, henderson yeah. too the the tram thing that's uh oh yeah and he talks yeah. about it very openly scott henderson too that he he stole it from jeff beck yeah it's funny beck's one of those guys people are very happy to name drop as an influence yeah yeah finger style you know that's another thing about jeff beck that's yeah. been very influenced he's i don't think has he ever used a pick after a certain point because I think he's one of those guys that is just always plays with fingers. I think early on there was a pick, but he he lost it pretty early. Yeah, it's and been a long time without it. Definitely by the time he was all instrumental. Um, yeah, and you see the videos of him, and it's really interesting right hand technique. He's working the bar and the volume pot and the pickups. Yeah, constantly and harmonics. Yeah, like sometimes his his index finger is fully extended and it's pointing to the headstock. 
Yeah. If that makes sense, because he's he's sort of holding the bar with the other palm of his hand, all the other fingers, and, and yeah, it's it's amazing. And a callback to the oddball fenders. I think he was he was one of those um, with the fender elites, right? With the switches for each pickup, he had the because in the late seventies he had micro switches for each pickup. Um, so he yeah. might have might have been an influence as far as that went for Dan Smith too, because. Wow. Um, there's a lot of Japanese Stratocasters that turn up, Grecos and so forth, and Fernandez that Jeff they're Beck's, all like Jeff, Jeff Beck's, Beck's model. Switching. Yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. which is a yeah, call right. back to our signature model episode yeah. as well. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. Totally. Uh, his um, his signature Strat, his first signature Strat 2 had the roller uh, nut, yeah. which was, was a unique sort of yeah. uh, addition there. He also had the... Um, the heel of the guitar cut out so he could reach the higher frets, which isn't a big deal, but it, he was certainly, if not the first Fender, one of the first Fender yeah. models yeah. to have that. So, yeah, some innovation there as well. He jumped onto the noiseless pickups thing pretty early. The lay sensors. Nice sense the lay sensors in humbucker mode. Um, not everyone was doing that. The Clapton obviously was just single call. So yeah. Yeah. kind of interesting too. And sort of famous. Jackson. Famous for the Gibson Black Beauty in the early days. Um, he was a yeah. big Les Paul user back in the uh, early days. And in the Yardbirds, he actually kept Jimmy Page off the guitar because Jimmy Page played bass in the Yardbirds. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Oh, when he first joined. Yeah. Okay. There you go. Man, there's a career and a half. Yeah. There's uh, a whole bunch of stuff. So, look, three songs. So I had to, had to choose three. It, it's pretty hard to cover that whole span of, of, of multiple yeah. decades but these are the songs i've chosen so first up where were you from the 1989 guitar shop record a lot of people call this this record a comeback of sorts it was his first original album in some time um not that he had disappeared he was, yeah. he was still making a lot of music i think he's I think before that, he, he did a cover of People Get Ready with Rod Stewart. That was probably his previous big splash in the perhaps the mid-'80s. I don't know if you guys remember that yeah. that version. You might have been a little young. He played, he played on a Stevie Wonder album, I think, as well around then, or maybe a little uh, early, very, a, very early 80s, late 70s. Okay. he's. I mean, I know he's done a bunch of Stevie Wonder covers. He's a huge Stevie Wonder fan. No, Stevie sure Wonder. Did we talk about album. it before? Stevie Wonder wrote Superstition for Jeff Beck. Okay. And, did, okay. and Jeff Beck knocked it back or and Stevie Wonder ended up recording it. And then Jeff Beck re-recorded it later with um, wow. Beck a piece and what was that other? Oh, Bogart? Bogart, yeah. Tim Bogart, yeah. bass player, yeah. And they re-recorded <clears> it then. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Full on, man. Yeah. Sorry. I didn't know that superstition. No. no, that's awesome. That's awesome. So, yeah, the first track anyway, I'm choosing Where Were You. Um, it's a really short instrumental track. Yeah. It's inspired by uh, Bulgarian choir music. Okay. Calling to Beck. And it's just, it's unbelievable. It's, it's the whammy bar. It's the harmonics. Uh, we, we've all done dive bomb harmonics, but he will actually craft uh, beautiful melodies, like really in tune, 
Well, it's with wonderful intonation. It's that um, whole that right hand technique where it kind of dives into notes and, and yeah, it's yeah, to make it. It's very so. The thing I wrote down, yeah, it's it's a short, really pretty sort of instrumental tune. Mm. Um, yeah. The thing I, I I wrote down is the the trem work and the picking. Very interesting how it kind of sort of very vocal like again because yes. it kind of it's how it sort of goes in and out of notes. It's not. It's more, you know, he kind of glides in and out of the notes, almost like again slide playing maybe without a slide. Yeah, um, yep. such a unique technique um, that he has. He's it just is a whole playing, even just visually how it looks when he plays, the harmonics, mm. all that stuff. Just yeah, very pretty and very, um, and, and especially I guess at the time it would have been probably very kind of wow, you know, how does someone do that with the guitar nowadays i think we've kind of gotten to the point where it's a bit through all these youtube guys who do ridiculous stuff and you watch what's yeah. the guy from polyphony the um you know you watch those guys play and it's ridiculous what they do um so we i think we've got a bit used to stuff like that but i think in, in got to also put it in context of the its day where i think that would have been quite mind-blowing watching someone play like that yeah totally i mean 89 um there's a lot of very proficient playing going on there but this was Did, not like else. that though that's the thing no that's, absolutely yeah. absolutely well i'd even argue today i i i i get your point there's where the technique is now is it's mind-blowing um but i'm not sure who's doing that kind no, of no no that style still. that's what i mean no no definitely not no yeah no if anyone's taking it further, I'm not really aware. So, yeah, amazing tune. And, yeah, that was a big record for him, Guitar Shop. I remember yeah. buying it on cassette back in the day and <laughs> listening to it to and from work on, on my Walkman. So track one, second track I chose was A Day in the Life, the Beatles tune. Um, he's recorded this a few times, but I'm particularly going with the live at Ronnie Scott's version. And... Um, Here's the thing with Beck, in terms of in terms of performance on the instrument, he, he really sits sits alone. Um, as a composer, I think there's a fairly big gap between his composition skill and his uh, guitar technique skills. Where there'll be some guitar players, I don't know, I think like Frank Zappa, amazing composer, um, needed the chops to back it up. Um, Beck. Otherworldly chops. I don't think his comp composition skills no. quite sit on the same level. So he does end up covering a lot of people's stuff and, and pulls in guest vocals and lots of different things. Yeah. Um, this cover is is amazing. It's because he's he's copying a vocal essentially, um, and he does it so expressively. Again, the bar, the bending, um, the the dynamics as he attacks the string um, in terms of volume and, and tone and timbre, it's, it's, it's mind-blowing. Like anyone could play those melodies, but to really make them emote. It, it, it really, because I haven't heard that version before, um, but mm -hmm. um, uh, Andy Timmons does a lot of like Beatles yeah. stuff on, yeah, and yeah. I reckon that's where he sort of got it from maybe, Andy Timmons, because that... Yeah. that because he does beautiful renditions of that stuff too, of a lot of Beatles mm. stuff. 
Um, but yeah, and what a killer band, man! At the, live at Ronnie Scott's, yes, Billy Coyote, yep. um, you know, and and Tal Wilkenfield, yep. and uh, what a band, yep. killer band. Yeah. I think the one thing that strikes me most about Jeff Beck, and I've I wouldn't say I'm a huge fan, but I've followed him since I was a kid, like learning guitar because I had a like Yardbird records and okay, um, yeah. and then as soon as I started collecting vinyl, I bought Blow by Blow and Jeff Beck group albums. But I think more than any guitar player, he when I watch him, I feel he's part of the guitar, like all yeah, the guitars yeah. part of him, and you don't yeah, know where yeah. he ends. Like the way he embraces, like hugs the guitar. Like there's, it's yeah. a certain approach that you don't really see anyone else do. It's mm. kind of like his arms are like locked in to the guitar. He's con- always connected to that trem bar and his mm-hmm. body folds to every sort of, he's hunkered mm. over the guitar. He's like feeling and emoting everything that he's playing. And when you watch him, you just go, where does, it's one of those instances where you go, where does he end and the guitar starts and vice versa? You know, he's kind of melded into it like some strange creature from, you know, Stranger Things or something. It's become, yeah, yeah, you can't yeah. ever see him away from a guitar. It looks weird. Yeah, 100%. That's that's a really cool observation. I love that. Um, I think, yeah, I think that tune particularly um, embodies exactly what you've just said. Yeah. Uh, the other cool thing too, he, I mean, he does all the vocal stuff, um, and then he does the the orchestral, the chromatic orchestral climbs, mm. and the whole band really does such an amazing job of of, of those parts. Because it's how such gonna... a good band, like the killer yeah. band. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, Tal, you mentioned Tal Wil- Wilkenfeld. She's got a couple of nice moments in in that track. Yeah, yeah. Um, she, and that album too, she's got some really cool moments, and she's so young there. Yeah, um, she looks. Yeah, she looks like a teenager standing there. <laughs> Maybe she on, was a teenager. She might have been, or just early twenties <laughs> yeah. max. Like, but she looks. Yeah, um, she looked. She looked very sort of out of place, but just visually, playing wise, definitely not. But yeah, just kills it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah if anyone's uh, looking for an introduction to Jeff Beck, they should check out his um his set with Vinny and Tal that he does on the um, Eric Clapton Crossroads um, oh, okay. live yep, DVD. Yep. Like, that's a really great introduction to what he's capable of, even at his age. And mm. the band, yeah, he's not a young fella anymore. Hot, definitely. Absolutely hot band, yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right, last Jeff Beck track I'm going to share in my top three, um, song called What Mama Said. It's from his 1999 album, Who Else? And uh, this around the turn of the, the millennium, he was—I was going to say experimenting, not really experimenting. He's really embracing electronica, so he's got a couple of big electronica records there. And I think around that time, we're looking at bands like The Prodigy, uh, that kind of stuff going on. It's—it's it's kind of instrumental versions of that with crazy, crazy guitar. And I don't know. To my ear, it just—it sits in there beautifully. That this outer space guitar with these um, crazy beats and, and samples and, and stuff. And the bass, holy moly, what a workout for the bass player that song is. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> bass and drums, just non-stop. It just doesn't, non-stop. It just doesn't stop. Non-stop. I shared a version <laughs> with you guys, um, uh, a video of a performance of them playing it. Um, Jennifer Batten on guitar as well, amazing. Um, on David the Letterman, Letterman show. Yeah. Uh, 
Rob, you're saying you you had seen that version. Yeah, that kind of brought me back to the Jeff Beck fold after you know slipping off um, his earlier career stuff, and I saw him on Letterman, and next day went out and bought that album. Uh-huh. Um, seeing Jennifer Batten outside of Michael Jackson as well, yeah, yeah. It's really cool. And she's doing all the pyrotechnics, and he's juxtaposed with his, you know, his whole thing. It really worked well. Dive bomby things that he does. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Trying to see who played bass on that first track. Um, yeah. But uh, it doesn't really. So it's got everyone. Pino Palladino played on that record. Okay. Um, yeah, and Hammer, but it doesn't have him. It has him on track two. It wasn't okay. Pino on the David Letterman thing. It was no, someone no. else. But yeah, whoever, whoever the. It's just, yeah, what a workout. And all fingers, yeah. of course, too. Randy Hope yeah. Taylor. Okay. Okay. So he's on everything except track two, which is Pino. Okay. Right. Yeah. Yeah, Killer. And I mean that live version—they're just going all out. Yeah. Yeah. So good. And uh, yeah, Jennifer Batten having the time of life. Apparently, she was the first guitar player he had played with in decades. Like he's always been the sole guitar player in his band. Yeah. Wow. Which makes sense. So big shout out for her and. um, Actually, her her whammy bar use. She's she said it as well. She learnt so much and was inspired so much from from touring and recording with him at, at the time. She's um she's an amazing whammy bar player, and she also has a whammy pedal, usually set for a uh, a tone, so two semitones. So she's not doing the the two octave gabor at the wedding band. <laughs> <laughs> She's yeah, actually the pedal steel thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. She, yeah. If you if you find some videos of her doing that, it's it's, it's amazing. So she's doing the bar and the pedal. Wow. So okay. She's, uh, another another Jeff Beck disciple. Side note um, to Jennifer Batten. Now I just came across a video today on YouTube, which has got all of the live versions of Michael Jackson's "Beat It" with the four different guitarists. So oh, okay. Jennifer Batten yep. followed by Arianthe Slash yep. and then Eddie. And okay. um, Jennifer Batten's basically carrying a tree on her back, like yeah. strapped all around her body. How the hell she plays guitar and carries that around is, yeah, you know, all the costumey stuff. Yeah, it's feat of wonder. And um, yeah, she still manages to do it. It's crazy and kills it. There's um, there's also some videos of um, her and Steve Stevens playing Dirty Diana. Mm-hmm. Okay. Steve Stevens obviously played on the album version. Yeah. Um, and I think he was a special guest one night. And I got to say, Batten sounded amazing. Like Steve Stevens sounded awesome. <laughs> Don't get me wrong, but but she she stole the show for me yeah. on on that version too. She's so good. Back to Jeff Beck. I was a bit disappointed that you couldn't find a song from John Bon Jovi's "Blaze of Glory" <laughs> in the three songs. You know, come on, could have used the miracle. Or something, you know. There's it some really narrative. great guitar playing on that. Actually, it was it was an interesting listen. He's done a, a bit of soundtrack work, actually, yeah. which is awesome. Um, his his solo in "Blaze of Glory" is is amazing, um, and it is with a slide. I mean, sometimes with him, you can't you can't tell. Like some of the Wemmy Bar stuff sounds yeah. like a slide, but mm. I mean that, that one's obviously a slide. So yeah. 
Sorry, we are we are getting to slippery when wet, Rob. We will cover that. <laughs> we, keep, we keep um threatening. <laughs> I think we have to do it. I think we'll have to do a hair metal series. We need about another anyway. hundred episodes to practice before we get into that one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But we'll be we'll be ready. Um, all right, that's it for me. I'm going to leave it there with Jeff Beck. There's there's so much more to his career, but I reckon those three tracks represent some uh, a cool a, a fairly cool cross section. Excellent. All right, so Gabor, um, I I had quite a list before narrowing it down, and this guy was most definitely on my list. So tell us who you picked. So I, after a lot of deliberating with myself, I picked uh, Prince because I thought uh, Desert Island guitarist. One of the things, I, first things I thought of is you want someone who had a lot of music, so you don't get bored of the same stuff. Um. So I was thinking of a studio musician as well, you know, like maybe someone who played with lots of people. But I thought Prince. I don't think I'll ever get sick of Prince. Um, he's recorded 42 studio albums, Prince, all up. Whoa. Just, you know, so there is variety there. Plus, God knows how many more will come out now because, I mean, from what everyone was saying in his vault, he has probably another 42 albums worth of music, <laughs> you know, that's in there that gradually will get released. Um He's sold over 120, close to 150 million albums worldwide. So I mean, don't need to do. I need to talk much about Prince as Prince himself. I mean, everyone knows about Prince. Um, There's been an album so three... just released. You can jump in with um, Tal Wilkenfeld because uh, it was always part of her yeah. resume. America, Jan- yeah, yeah, jammed with Prince, but the album actually just came out. So yeah, yeah, and she sounds awesome on yeah. that too. Anyway, just uh, yeah. just yeah. another Tal reference. Yeah, friend of yeah. the show. Now, okay, so Prince, we all know Prince. Um, uh, I guess not a lot of people. I mean, more more people now, but he wasn't sort of recognised as a great guitar player. But I think he's a he's a genius guitar player. Yeah. Uh, so the three. Let's start a first song. Actually, accidentally, I picked two songs of the same album. But I mean, doesn't matter. It's a great album. So the first song I picked was "Let's Go Crazy." Yeah. Um. So. Uh, off Purple Rain, of course. Uh, it, just sort of quick background on the song. It was recorded at The Warehouse, St. Louis Park Studio, on August 7, 1983. Um, it was released on uh, Purple Rain, Prince's sixth studio album, uh, and it was the second single of the album, uh, following the first single, which was When Doves Cry, and before the song Purple Rain. Wow. Um, it was the opening track... What a, yeah, what a record. Sorry. It's the opening track on the album, and it's also the first song in a movie. Um, it's uh, uh, It became his second number one hit um, that he's ever written. Uh, and it's just one of those songs for guitar player. It's just such a cool riff. The harmonizer in it, the quirky guitar solo outro thing it's a, such a cool song yeah yeah uh, i always like there's that little drum machine thing that's sort of not not the the normal beat the normal drums but there's this little sort of uh, it's in one of the speakers it's like this little and it comes in everyone thing anyway anyway i always like that that's the thing it always stood out to me um just you know great song great artist prince okay uh, Rob, you said you were you almost picked him. Yeah, look, the guy. I think he's overlooked as an iconic guitar player. Oh, absolutely, a great guitar absolutely. player. Like he's not mentioned, but uh, 
he is kind of like the Hendrix of our generation. Oh yeah. Maybe yeah. not yours, Gabor. You're a bit younger than Matt <laughs> oh, and I. But um <laughs> definitely in the eighties, you know, like just fantastic. And and the the war, like there was the Coke and Pepsi war and there was the Michael and Prince war. Prince war, yeah, yeah. And um, you know, just one of those top shelf entertainers could dance in high heels um, and play guitar and just ridiculous. And yeah, this song, Purple Rain was everywhere when I was a kid. This clip um, was whenever it came on, you just heard that opening organ. Yeah. And you're just like, run to the TV and sit in front of it and you wouldn't move until it was over. Same as let's when doves cry. Um, Although, I mean, what an album, Purple Rain. I mean, uh, it's just crazy. I just it, recently bought um, it on vinyl and I don't even want to open it, but I opened it. But anyway. Um, not mint condition anymore, Rob. No, records are meant to be played. <laughs> but yeah, I still, I do Let's Go Crazy in my solo set. Um, I kind of do it recently, well, not more recently when he did um, Third Eyed Girl, he would do a halftime you know, real deep pocket version. And that's kind of what I do with it. Um, yeah, just the gear, like the legacies left behind. Oh, yeah. The legacy of the performance on the uh, Hall of Fame, the Rock and oh, Roll yeah, Hall yeah. of the, Fame one, performance one with Tom weeks, Petty yeah. and yeah. Yeah, Harrison wow. and all of them. Mm-hmm. Like he's just... I don't know. I almost want to cry talking about him because he did pass away on my um, birthday. Oh, really? um, Okay. Yeah. And so every year I'm reminded it's another year without him. Uh, But, yeah, huge Prince fan. And you could, you know, you you pick three great songs. You could pick 300 great songs. Oh, that's the thing. It's so hard to pick good songs with him because there's so many good songs. Yeah. And if you're a guitar player and you haven't gotten into Prince – I would say the two, the two records to listen to are, from a guitar player's point of view, is Chaos and Disorder, which is that kind of record. It's it's named aptly because it was, <clears throat> you know, put together from different sessions. But it's a real rock guitar record, and there's funk and there's all of that stuff on it. And the other one is the Rainbow Children. Just, oh, yeah. oh, I think that's a great record. Uh, very experimental and there's a lot of different things to listen to. It's kind of like a queen record in a way there's operatic stuff. There's jazz stuff. There's rock stuff. There's funk stuff. It just ballads. It's a beautiful record altogether, but yeah. Anyway, I could, I could speak for two hours. on <laughs> So I'm going to, I'm going to relinquish to Matt. Well, this song, let's get crazy. It, I remember it being all over the radio in the early 80s. It was the perfect time for me because I just I got my first cassette radio player, so I was starting to listen to the radio. And I I think I was close to starting guitar lessons, but I hadn't started yet. And when I was a re- bit younger, I, I knew Ace Freely was doing the guitar solos in Kiss, so he was my first <laughs> join the dots. Okay, he's moving his fingers and making a guitar solo. I think with Let's Get Crazy, that was probably one of the first songs I heard where I understood the fingers moving part, um, but thought, oh my gosh, this guitar solo is unbelievable. Uh, <laughs> the, yeah. the, the one in the middle, of course. 
Um, yeah. But that cadenza at the end when he's got the the wah in full treble um, yeah. and and sweeping it a bit as well. And then the phaser kicks in or the flanger. It was probably flanger. the boss. He always does BF2. That, the boss yeah. the flanger. He always does that sweep. Yeah, that's so cool. I've, I've, got a, I've got a sound on my solo patch. I've got a momentary switch that'll just kick in a flanger like that. Yeah. Um, it's so fun. I mean, it never sounds half as good, but no. in my heart, I'm going, thanks, Prince. Um, yeah. just, just for the fun of it. Yeah. So that song. And in the Purple Rain movie, uh, the greatest part of the entire movie is when Wendy plays the riff unaccompanied. And um, I think she's having a go at Prince saying, we just can't play songs like this all the time. Like she's trying to sell the ballad, you know, the Purple Rain ballad. But I loved it. That was my favourite part of the whole movie. So that yeah. that song rules. Yeah. Great song. Great, Speaking great song. of which, Gabor, second choice. Well, second choice, I'm going to skip the other one from the same album. I'm going to move on to another one, which is actually uh, maybe a little bit less known song of his, but I always loved the guitar in it. That's why I picked it, which is Peach. A blues song. Gabor has picked a, <laughs> He's picked a blues song. I know. We just want that on record. I know. I know. Um <laughs> But the guitar, the solos on it, they're so off and out and all the the, trem, the the Floyd Rose trem flutter stuff he does. It's so good. I always love that. So Peach was recorded at Olympic Studios in London, uh, round about the same time as the Batman soundtrack. It was sort of round about okay. that, that same era it was recorded on. Um, uh, and it was on his 1993 album, The Hits, The B-Sides. And the female moan you hear um in the song was his then girlfriend kim basinger or bassinger or however you pronounce it uh who they met in at during the batman, batman. batman thing there you go vicky vale. Um, vale. vale that's it that's it um uh yeah and i just it's a it's a super simple straightforward blues song but the older little solo bits are so good and yeah, just all that you can hear him sort of just playing with the Floyd, you know, with the tremba and doing the flutter stuff and kind of bending notes out of tune and in and out of tune. And it's a lot of it goes kind of off and back in and dissonance and stuff. I love it so much. It was just <laughs> always one of my favorite Prince moments. Just the, the quirky solos in that song. Have you girls? Uh, girls, have you guys? <laughs> I don't know what's wrong with me today. Have, do you guys remember that song? Yeah, I you? loved it from the yeah. moment it came out, like the, the clip. And the clip too, I was yeah. just like, this is what I loved about Prince because he kind of disappeared for a while. And this was around just after Diamonds and Pearls and we'd all kind of got right back into Prince, okay. the Diamonds and Pearls record. And um, and then that three CD hits collection came out yeah. and had a whole bunch of B-sides and stuff. And, uh, yeah, I love this. It was on uh, when I recorded video clips off video hits. It was on, I yeah. think, three different VHS tapes <laughs> that I'd filled up with, with video clips. So, yeah, I absolutely loved it. And that guitar, I think, in the in the clip, doesn't he play the blue, purpley yeah. sort of cloud guitar? Yeah, yeah. And... Like some of those whammy bar things, and then I think he does must do a little thing. He's a DD three user, I think, like Boss DD three, and there's like that little flutter that he does is just the the time change on the delay pedal or something. Does it sound yeah, a bit sure. like that? Too? Yeah, it's I, I, yeah. I love all that stuff. It's so cool. 
just noisemakers is great. Yeah, yeah. 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 I I never heard that tune. Um, oh really? Okay. Hadn't heard the tune, but yeah, cool. I mean, cool hearing play some blues and giving it the Prince treatment, hundred percent. Yeah, I think it was a B side. I think it was a B side of Party Man from from the Batman soundtrack. Oh, okay. I think okay. that was a B side from that. Yeah. I mean, the bar's cool because obviously the early stuff was on that Hona Telecaster. Yeah. And um. Yeah, and even towards the end of his career, he was playing was playing strats for quite a while. Super Bowl was that a strat with a Floyd? Yeah, yeah. He, played, he had a he had a uh, I think it was a Mexican strat. Floyd um, Rose, just the neck and a humbucker in the bridge. Yeah, um, um, EMGs. He, he really got into EMGs and yeah. um, and into Floyd's. He really liked Floyd's because I think all his the cloud guitar and love, love cymbal guitars all had um, yeah. Floyd's on it and yeah. EMGs. Yeah. Yeah. And then he finished off his career with the Vox Mirage. Yeah. That's when he was playing those. With the Afro and a, yeah. Yeah. Third Eyed Girl. Yeah. Third Eyed Girl. Very cool. Yeah. With the, the yeah, the, the sunglasses, the third yeah. sunglasses thing up the top. <laughs> a great record, too. Oh. Well, last song I picked, um, just to move it along, uh, is off the Purple Rain album again. And it's Purple Rain. I mean, you've got to pick Purple Rain when you pick them. <sighs> <laughs> crowd goes wild yes um, <laughs> I'm, doing my, I'm turning into the michael winslow of this podcast <laughs> <laughs> it's i mean it's it's i reckon i mean it has to be one of the most iconic songs of the 80s purple rain yeah which surprisingly never went to number one in the U, U, u.s charts in in its days the first time it went to number one in the u.s was after he passed away okay it it became number one again um, so he, it was recorded live, and that's the other thing because I remember uh, uh, listening to a long interview with um, uh, what was her name, um, the lady that was producing him at the time. Uh, it'll come to me eventually, uh, but not producing. She was like the engineer, but also producer on call twenty four hours a day, basically. Oh yeah, sunset sounds. At sunset sounds yeah, and all that yeah. sort of stuff. And she's and she was doing this whole thing about about Purple Rain because um, I think that was the, the second, second album that she worked with with him or something like that, and um, it basically came. Uh, it was it was a song that they sort of had an idea how to do, but they kind of jammed on it at a live concert, and eighty percent or some ninety percent of what you hear on the album came from that live concert, mm-hmm. and he made up the melody that you know quite that famous sort of the, the 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 guitar lead guitar melody on the spot and it's the live thing that oh, he made wow. up on the spot awesome. and also so there was a, a live uh, benefit concert for the minneapolis dance theater on august 3rd 1983 which is the very first time wendy melvoin played with prince so that was her yeah. first gig <laughs> and uh her the the opening chords for Purple Rain. That's her on the first gig wow. she's ever done with wow. Prince. How cool is that? Awesome. Um, man. Um, yeah, and um, uh, I mean, it was it's ranked number eighteen in Rolling Stone's list of the five hundred greatest songs of all time. Um, and it's yeah, I reckon one of probably one of the most iconic songs and albums of the eighties. Absolutely. And that's Purple Rain. Well, you get my. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Actually, both great choices so far. Yeah. Um, we're going to. My other choice that I wanted to go for. 
Well, I think we're going to see that at some stage. So we I will look definitely forward to that. see that at some stage. Well, we might take a break and come back with mine, and I think we might have some more viewers, viewer input as well. Yeah. Yep. A listener, not viewers. <laughs> we're our viewers, listeners. Yes. Um, yeah, we'll be right back. Bye. This episode is brought to you by Fretboard Biology, the comprehensive online guitar course put together by Joe Elliott, ex-head of guitar at the Guitar Institute of Technology and the McNally Smith College of Music. I was one of the beta testers for the course and can say as a music educator, I was really impressed by the logical sequence of learning. The course has also been endorsed by players such as Brett Garson and Greg Cock. For more details, check out the links in our show notes. All right, welcome back. We're talking Desert Island guitarists, uh, Rob's brainchild. This has been so fun. We've talked about Jeff Beck. We've talked about Prince. We're going to move on to Rob's choice shortly. But we've got a, a bunch of listener feedback for this question as well. I put it out there on Instagram. Um, huge thanks for everyone who's been uh, sending in responses to these uh, these posts I put up. There's, there's some cool stuff going on there. So it's a good bunch of people. So I did post... Uh, Name a favorite guitarist and three key tracks. Kind of like something we're doing we're doing tonight. Here are some of the responses. Uh, let's see. Ricky Wood, Ricky Wood Music, Tighter Ball of King's X. Three solos I love from Goldie Locks out of the Silent Planet album. Uh, Mo and Jam, Faith, Hope, Love album. And lastly, everyone knows a little bit of something from Gretchen Goes to Nebraska album. But frankly, I could pick pretty much any solo he's ever done and be blown away. So yeah, Tighter Bore, super interesting guitar player. Uh, DJ Evermore writes, Jay Mascus, Green Mind. This is my favorite solo ever. Number two, Get Me. And number three, Keeblin. Bit of Dinosaur Jr., bit of Jay going on there. That's awesome. Uh, guitar Strico, uh, Andrew Mara again. Right, uh, Malcolm Young, most underrated guitarist. That is quite possible. Uh, oh, yeah. Great chops. Yeah. Great rhythm chops. Unbelievable, yeah. Um, maybe that could be a good show, like killer rhythm guitarists. Anyway. Mm. Um, oh, yeah. So Andrew's choices are, number one, Gorn Shooting, fade speakers left and right to separate the tracks. Just, just jumping in on Andrew's thing, for me, hearing... ACDC in the two speakers, Angus and Malcolm, it made me understand you could have different guitar parts back in the day. Oh, yeah. So fun. Anyway, number two from Andrew is Let There Be Rock, live, always live. He was so tight like a metronome when Angus was playing a solo for 10 minutes. That's true. That's nonstop. Um, that's awesome. And three, Thunderstruck, holding that riff while Angus kept playing the pull-offs. Epic. Yeah, that rhythm part under Angus's flashy stuff again. Like the yeah. untrained eye will will be attracted to Angus, of course. But yeah, yeah, Malcolm. All right, uh, Mostronics. Um, Andrew, Andrew, good day, Andrew. Richie Blackmore and his tracks are "Burn," mm -hmm. "Highway Star," "Child in Time." Awesome. Hobson guitars. Nuno Betancourt, get the funk out for the solo, especially "He Man, Woman Hater," "Monster." Love him because all his songs are solid. Riff Monsters. Well, keep listening, Hobson Guitars. Uh, Grant Rennie writes Steve Vai, number one, For the Love of God. Number two, Whispering a Prayer. Number three, Freak Show Excess. Yeah, awesome, mm -hmm. awesome Steve Vai tracks. Um, hey, I'm Ray writes, You're my favorite guitarist. 
Oh. Um, which, which one of us? Which one of you is Hey, I'm Ray? No, that's that's uh, that's one of my daughters, actually. And I wrote back. I thought it was a guitar player called Your, like the guitar player called Her. Uh, <laughs> it could be. It could actually oh, mean yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. That that was a cool, uh, cool cross section. Excellent choices. So so much cool guitar stuff there. All right, Rob, back to you, man. All right. So yeah, as I mentioned on Insta. That was difficult because it's you had like, quite a list there for a while. <laughs> I did have a list and then I narrowed it down to two and um, I had like 10 songs from each artist. Um, <laughs> Prince was there for me early on and like, because I'm a sucker for Bon Jovi and Richie Sambora. So Richie was there early mm-hmm. on. And of course, Diesel, like I'm a huge Diesel fan. So Lazotte was there. But I really had to just decide on somebody who could get me in every mood that I could possibly be in. Ooh. And so Lukather was close, uh-huh. but I found that his solo stuff was a little too Toto-ish. So there wasn't as much variety. So um, I went with Nuno Betancourt. Um, just I'm doing the rock fingers right now. You can't, you yeah. can't see it. <laughs> Look, Nuno's got it all. Like he's got the Nuno thing. Yeah. But um, as far as discography goes, you've got all the extreme records and each record is very different um, from the first record being like a high school hair metal yeah. to the second record being, you know, a bit grittier to the third record being three sides and, again, operatic and an orchestra. Um you get the quiet moments, acoustic moments, like more than words mm. and wholehearted and tragic comic. But then you draw a line when Extreme finishes after um, their fourth record and you get Schizophonic, which is punk Nuno. Mm-hmm. That was you a good know, it's great. It's still songs. It's still guitar. And he's trying to remain relevant without, but it still sounds um, authentically new. Yeah. You know, you don't feel like he's trying to just fit in with the cool kids. And, and, and people out there, if you check out Schizophonic, that's <laughs> him on the cover. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, and then he's he a moved... handsome man. That's all I got to say. Yeah, <laughs> he's a beautiful man, and, and he doesn't age. He doesn't age no. either. No, <clears throat> he's like the drummer from U two. Doesn't age. Yeah. Mm. Um, and then he goes on and he does Morning Widows, and there's two albums there which are like again two radically different records, very experimental, very guitar driven trio style records. Mm. Um, and then. There's Population One. So there's an EP and an album there. And then you get Drama Gods, which is this electro, you know, guitar record. And then outside of that, you get him with, he does a record with Robert Palmer. He does um, a record, he does recording with Rihanna. So you get a pop thing and you get all of that and you get almost eight years, I think, of touring with her. You get all of that. Um, and then you get fun things with Steel Panther and a bunch of other things that he's done. 
and him and Susie, there's some tracks floating out there with him and Susie from the baby animals. So yeah, first track I chose was an extreme track, Porno Graffiti, which I think that year got Guitar Magazine's Guitar Solo of the Year. Um, and it's all like it's a masterpiece. Yeah. It's so busy. Oh, <laughs> but then it like breaks down this little funky, you yeah. know, double stop section, which is just killer. And then he brings it home. Um, yeah. What thoughts on that track, guys? That was. I've got to say, I love the, the Trem Flutter stuff again. Mm. I love Trem Flutter. <laughs> right. um, the solo is just wild and goes all over the place. Uh, the pinch harmonic stuff and it's natural harmonics. It's just it, like it's everything you can possibly do all in one track, pretty much. Yeah. That that Matt? album that was from the second album. Hey, that that went yeah. bananas. I um that was my introduction introduction to Nuno. Like I guess like a lot of people back in those days. Um, you wouldn't you would hear more than words on the radio and wholehearted. You would not hear anything else um, from these guys. So I remember buying the album because I'd read about Nuno in Guitar World or Guitar Player or something. And um, and yeah, there was obviously a, a big deal about him. So it was one of those things back then. You had, you had to take a leap of faith, or you maybe you'd only heard one song off on the radio or something. And yeah, um, yeah, it was unbelievable. It was. He was of that school of that that era too, like the Richie Cottsons and the, um, you know, those sort of shredders that could do everything. Paul Gilbert, Paul Gilbert they could do yeah. everything. Um, they could play bluesy stuff. They could shred. They could do the neoclassical thing. Um, they could play different styles. And Nuno was doing it all on like one song. Yeah, like some of the solos on that record, um, like "Get the Funk Out" as well. Yeah. Like everyone says, you know, the solos are composition within the song, but some of these some of these sections were absolutely new compositions within the tune. So yeah, um, yeah. Um, <clears throat> unbelievable. And he still did it with a lot of rock and roll attitude. He wasn't just carefully, precisely, even though he, he's super precise. Um, he's super precise. Like there's no buzzing from strings there's nothing it's it's all super hear every note super clear but this live as well that's the yeah. thing that that kind of is a weird thing it's not yeah. just in the studio live super precise player yeah but there's there's some raw rock and roll attitude behind the scenes <clears throat> so yeah i remember being floored by that that second record um and he's that, got the right the right hand is yeah. just ridiculous yeah yeah like he's so percussive you know you crazy good yeah so yeah amazing amazing so track two i took from um the second morning widows record and it's the opening track and it's the same title as the album furnished souls for rent i think this displays nuno's punk and harder side when um, when did this at, record come out rob Oh, that's a good question. That's a question without notice. Yeah, sorry, man. <laughs> I think it was like late nineties. Okay, because I had uh, maybe early two thousands. Okay, I hadn't was heard it of... after. Was it the um? Uh, was that the Morning Widows? Was that after? That was just after Schizophonic, wasn't it? So yeah, Schizophonic. And okay. okay, so yeah. this was a, a band, like a band, another band. Yeah. Like so, um, Jeff Conzi, who's a Aussie drummer, I think. Okay. He's um he toured with Nuno. Um, yeah, he's on 
he was on that tour and on the record. Um, so yeah, two thousand. This record, I believe. Okay. They kind of do weird things, and there's two albums put together because there was there are actually two separate albums released, and the streaming services tend to want to put them together. Okay. Um, so, but around two thousand, and it's like the Phase One Hundred pedal, which was a big part of Nuno's sound during this period, um, and again, it's just. We talked on an earlier podcast about fearlessness. Yeah. And I think Nuno has that fearlessness mm. too. Um, and that's just on display in this song. He just can you can hear how heavy his right hand is. Yeah. Um that and main the, riff, yeah. And the compound bends, like he's like you think he's gonna pull the string out yeah. of the Floyd Rose. He's bending so yeah. crazily. Um, what did you guys think of this song? I was I was digging it. Um, that's why I was sort of interested where in the career it it landed. Um, yeah, it's obviously stripped way back, and um, uh, I don't know if rootsier is the right word. It's probably not, um, but it's it's sort of without all the extra hair from <laughs> from extreme. So it's it had a it, to to me it had a very sort of nineties kind yeah. of. It had that sort of grungy nineties. Stone Temple Pilotsy kind of vibe to it. Um, the riff, that sort of main riff, that. Um, but yeah, then, but then the kind of very quirky guitar solo. Yeah, yeah, kind yeah. Of a bit, came yeah. out of the blue. I love that solo. Yeah, it's just yeah. And he's got that thing in his solo career where his verses are super aggressive, and then like singing wise, melody wise. And then he has these really beautiful melodies weaved into the choruses Mm -hmm. and it's kind of the opposite. Whereas, you know, pop songs have the, the lovely verses and then the chorus is the big hook and the, that that's the thing that jumps out. Yeah. 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 He's kind of got that style and he's got that slow vibrato on his voice that we were talking about Mm -hmm. in the previous episode. He's, um, I guess it was weeks ago. It sort of goes without yeah, saying, but he's um, <laughs> probably was on my schedule. Um, he's <laughs> he's an amazing singer too. I mean, he's a good singer. Yeah, yeah, he sounds so great, and in I mean in that extreme stuff too. Obviously, he shines on the the acoustic sort of ballads, but he's um, it's he's great. So many so many people take more than words for granted. The harmonies in that oh, are yeah. beautiful. freaking insane. Yeah, yeah. Even wholehearted, the harmonies in that are, mm. like, great. Yeah. All right, so the third song, um, we're going to get letters about this one, I can tell. Um, <laughs> like like Gabor with Prince, I could have chosen so many songs, but because this is des- Desert Island guitarist and I was trying to convince someone of the diversity of his career, so I chose California Kingbed, by Rihanna um, and specifically the Rock in Rio 2011 version. It's a live version. Um, it has all the things I love about guitar. It's got, there's, it copies the vocal melody for one solo and then it goes off on its thing. But it has a very 70s thing, which is called a reprise. And <laughs> the reprise solo is fantastic yeah like it is just it's all nuno and he gets the stage on his own comes out rihanna leaves for her 17th 
costume change or whatever. Uh-huh. <laughs> and he gets to be front and center in front of this young crowd. And um, seeing that and seeing <clears throat> that um, it's it was still relatable um, to a pop audience and a young audience, mm. um, probably inspired a lot of kids to pick up the guitar. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I just love that he's found a way to to be in the pop world and still do be Nuno yeah. and do his thing. I love that. I love that too. Um, yeah. And again, I could have chose, there's so many great songs on the Drama Gods record and so many great extreme songs um, from Cynical and Hip Today off the fourth record and that that third side on three sides, you, as far as a composition, compositional guitarist goes, it's, it's fantastic. But yeah, they're my three songs. As an aside, on the Population One record, there's a song called Spaceman. Check out the solo in that. It's Nuno on a 60 Strat, and it's not very Nuno. Wow. It's yeah. Okay. It's, it's odd. But it's it's still very Nuno, but it's very experimental and um, yeah. And there's also an album of note that he did with Perry Farrell called Satellite Party. Uh, that's another great record that he was a part of, and he didn't hang around long. But again, there's a lot of electro in that. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a few guests on that album, including Flea and John Frusciante. Um, so yeah, that's another great record to choose out, did- but. Did he do any writing with Rihanna or is it just playing guitar with Rihanna? I think it was just in the studio. Yeah. So he played on a bunch of things and I think he was free to do whatever he wanted. Okay. But, I don't think but he wasn't, got any... didn't help writing or anything. Though. Nah, I think there's enough, you know, probably eight to 10 writers on her song. At least, at least, at least, at least. Funny thing with that song, California King Bed, uh, I, the, where I remember it from the most is uh, playing uh, my kids playing it on Guitar Hero on a computer. Oh, yeah, cool. Because <laughs> it's on Guitar Hero. Yeah, so there um, you go. And it's got the crossover into that too. It's so. got the crossover into that. Um, yeah. I love that he was yeah, doing a... the Rhiannon tour stuff because I think um, in a lot of that pop stuff, well, you don't have to convince any of us. You know, we could we can figure out some cool guitar parts and you get a legend like mm. Nuno – there's going to be some cool stuff you could put over that electronic stuff that's going to sound awesome. And um, yeah. and Rihanna or her management or the music director or whoever gave Nuno the license to do all that that stuff it was a genius move, such a great move. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And if you check out, um, so there's that whole show, the Rock in Rio, and then there's the Triple Seven tour, and he's all over that. And then there's another live concert um, prior when she had two guitar players. And there's some like guitar trade-off solos and stuff between the two guitar players. And yeah, she really, I think, look, in all honesty, Pink blazed the trail for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when you talk, when Nuno did an interview where he said the musical director wanted the show to be like Pink okay, show. Okay. They wanted a proper band and they wanted a guitar player, a gun. Yeah. And Nuno had worked with him before and um, just went, yeah, come on board. Yeah. You can do this. That's and cool. He gets to do a lot of different things. He gets to play reggae and, you know, hip hop and rock. Yeah. You know, because she's got that edge as well. And if 
yeah, I, I don't I don't think he's done anything that I wouldn't listen to. I think he's just been he's had a great career mm. and the new record that finally Extreme finally penned a record deal. Okay. So this album's been in the can um since 2020 when COVID hit. Um, so the new record, they reckon they're going to start dropping singles from it by the end of the year and it'll be out next year. Um, but Gary has been on record saying that he thinks Nuno's gone to a next level and it's probably the best he's ever played on record for this new one. So that's just crazy. But it's, yeah. it's because of that, that Telecaster kind of new guitar that he's got. The Nelly. The Nelly. The Nelly. <laughs> that's yeah. what it is. That's what it is. And um, yeah, so my desert mm-hmm. island guitarist Nuno Betancourt. Nice yeah. choice, man. Great concept, Rob. Loved it. Thanks, man. Um, you just try to think of things that you would hang around and talk to your mates about, yeah. and we can bring that to the listeners. Bring them in too via Instagram. So yeah, it's fun. Yeah, a lot of fun. Nice. Yeah, that was good. Rob, when you're not listening to Nuno, what are you doing and how can people know about it? Uh, I spend most of my time like playing a Dusenberg now in a 70s show. Um, I don't know how relevant that is to the 70s, but maybe there were still cars, Dusenberg cars around. Probably. But, um, <laughs> um, they the GT yes. stripes. You've got the stripes, hey, on yours. You've got the racing got, stripe, yeah. Yeah, the Mike Campbell. That rules, And man. he was around in the 70s with Tom Petty, so hey. He was. I'll fight anyone. Um, Did you say Mike Campbell? Uh, Friend of the show. Okay. Yeah. Mike, <laughs> that was a great interview too. Um, yes. Sorry. 70s show. Living in the 70s. And uh, you can follow where I am just by going to my website, roadtripent.com. Awesome, man. And Gabor, when you're not digging the blues, only when Prince plays it. What's... <laughs> I didn't. I didn't get the irony of that, Rob. I'm glad you pointed it out. That's very important. Uh, as soon as I saw the track, I went, "I've got him right. I've got him yeah. in the corner." Yeah, 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 yeah. I know. I know. I know. Um, well, if you yeah. wanna, if you wanna hear my blues experiments uh, and watch me play my blues experiments uh, online, uh, I have a YouTube channel called The Super Fun Awesome Happy Time Pedal Show. That's all one word. The Super Fun Awesome Happy Time Pedal Show. Myself and my good friend Alex, we review pedals or demo review, whatever you want to call it. Pedals, guitar pedals, uh, amps, guitars. Uh, I do a lot of software lately now as well. Uh, And we have a podcast, which we uh, every once in a blue moon, we do a new one. Uh, But yeah, we do that lots and you can come and check it out. And if you would be so kind, like and subscribe and yeah, do all that stuff, please. Thank you. Good stuff. There'll be links for for both these guys in the show notes. Hey, thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in. Thanks to Fretboard Biology for supporting the show. Check out their links as well. And uh, we like to leave you with some wisdom because it's good to have some words to live by. And we have found the following words from Michael Schenker, legendary guitarist from UFO and the Scorpions and the Michael Schenker group, to be incredibly enlightening. And this is what he told us. Keep rocking, keep on rocking. Keep on rocking, indeed. I'll catch you next time. See you guys. <laughs>